Hello and welcome to another episode of Coaching Chaos. I'm Shari Reynolds. Thank you so much for joining me. I have learned so much about myself and about the gospel and about what I need to do to be a better person and a better daughter of God, a better wife and a better mother, a better neighbor, a better friend in my studies. And I hope that what I have shared with you in my re- reflections is is helping you in some way improve your corner of the world. I've talked so much about being a trigger and the, the, the pinball in the pinball machine. And I can just be so reactionary. For example, yesterday we went to Lagoon and we had to wait outside the gates for a little bit, waiting for my daughter to get there with our tickets and the lines were getting long and I just was feeling so frantic about getting inside so that we wouldn't have to wait hours at a ride and I I talk about that now and it sounds so silly but in the moment I just couldn't kick it out and I kept saying that to my husband I, I just can't kick this out how aggravated I'm feeling that we are waiting here and it's going on 30 minutes and these lines are long and we kept getting back in line and thinking that by the time we got to the front of the line she would arrive with our tickets and it took three tries and my husband said that you know whatever you say to her at this point she's she's going to be anxious and upset because she she's trying so hard to please us and she got us the tickets and brought them to us and and yet I just couldn't kick it out and it took me a little bit of time but that's what I'm talking about I I get so reactionary and how do I get rid of pride in those moments how how can I just reflect upon my surroundings and the fact that it's a beautiful day and that I'm with my family and I get to be with my my daughter who we don't get to see very often how can I kick that out and so I'm reading in 4th Nephi you know Fourth Nephi 1, 1 through 18, then they were so happy. There was no contention and there was unity. And they loved God and they served one another. And we hit verse 19 and that completely changes. Um, in just, in just a, a very short amount of time that in, they became exceedingly rich and they prospered and they began to change and they were lifted up in pride wearing of costly apparel manner of fine pearls and the fine things of the world and from that time forth they did have their goods and their substance and no more common among them and they began to be divided into classes and they began to be built up into churches and get gained for themselves and they began to deny the true church of Christ and they professed to know Christ yet their behavior was much different and they did receive all manner of wickedness and shunned those who were who were trying to choose righteousness and because of iniquity and because of the power of Satan he did get hold upon their hearts and oh it's it's so discouraging to read that and then to compare that to our society 
Do we see any of these attitudes and behaviors in ourselves? Are we experiencing this and seeing it in our society? Are we pointing at everybody else and saying, look at how you all are behaving, but not recognizing our own behaviors? Nobody explains pride better to me than President Ezra Taft Benson. In his conference talk in 1989, I have read that numerous times over the last 30 plus years, and each time it's an ouch for me. Each time I feel like there is so much I can do to improve. And in the teachings of the presidents in his chapter 18, Beware of Pride, he he explains it and talks about pride so clearly and it causes that ouch feeling in my heart and so how can I stop being so triggered because when I am triggered it's because my pride has flared up in the moment and I sometimes I just don't know how to kick it out he, he talks about the differences between pride and humility. And pride does not look up to God and care about what is right. It looks sideways to man and argues who is right. Pride is characterized by what do I want out of life rather than what does my Heavenly Father want for me? It is my own will. And I've talked about how I, I struggle with free agency. I want my kids to do what I ask them to do because I want them to choose the right But then that's denying all that we are here for in the plan of salvation. It's denying God's plan and our purpose. It's sinful to think, I I want them to do what I want them to do. Humility responds to God's will, to the fear of His judgments and to the needs of those around us, to the proud, the pause of the world rings in our ears rather than the humble. that the applause that heaven warms our hearts. These teachings were familiar to, to the men who had served with President Benson. They knew him as someone who never worried about his personal views, only about learning and following God's will. Am I like this? Am I more worried about the cares of the world and the opinions of others and rather than how I conduct my life for my Father in Heaven. President Benson, he wasn't concerned about that. And he served in as a Secretary of Agriculture in for the United States. And he received a lot of applause in the world. And then he also received a lot of harsh criticism, but he did not allow that to ring in his ears. Instead, he was frequently reminded by his wife, don't worry about the opinions of the world as long as you are right with God. And so in this climate that we are in right now, it is so easy to prove ourselves and prove to the world that wearing masks is what's right, that wearing masks is ridiculous, and my presidential candidate is better than your presidential candidate. I'm more worried about my corner of the world. Am I? Or am I worried about the opinions of others if, if I am failing in some way? If I'm failing as being a mom? 
if my house isn't clean just right, if I don't have the right size of jeans on to get the approval from others. That's kind of how small-minded I can sometimes be. The Doctrine and Covenants tells us that the Book of Mormon is a record of a fallen people, and we, we see that in 4th Nephi. Chapter 1, it starts at about verse 19. Why did they fall? This is one of the major messages of the Book of Mormon, and it and it gives in Mormon gives us in the closing chapters of of his words, behold the pride of this nation, of the people of the Nephites, hath proven their destruction. Can we read this as a lesson manual for our lives as how not to be? We are warned in the Doctrine and Covenants, beware of pride, lest ye become even as the Nephites of old. And President Benson says, I earnestly seek and earn, earn an interest in your faith and prayers as I strive to bring forth light on this Book of Mormon message, the sin of pride. He said that this that, that message has been weighing heavily on his soul for a long time. Three times in the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord uses beware of pride. And here in our modern day, with our modern day prophet from President Benson and from all of our prophets, it is always counseled to us to beware of pride. And pride is a very misunderstood sin and many of us sin in ignorance. And in the scriptures, it says that there is no such thing as a righteous pride. It is always considered a sin. Therefore, no matter how the world uses the term, we must understand how God uses the term so that we can understand the language of Holy Writ. And most of us think of pride as self-centeredness, conceit, boastfulness, arrogance, or haughtiness. And all of these elements are sin, but the heart or core is still missing. What is what is deep down inside of our heart for me that I can't kick out such simple things and just say, you know what, no big deal. This is this is small stuff. My three teenage girls even said, Mom, walk over there. They did not even want me in their presence. They were so irritated with me for how irritated I was. The central feature of pride is enmity toward God and toward our fellow men. Enmity means hatred, hostility, a state of opposition. We pit our will against God's. When we direct our pride towards uh, toward God, it is the spirit of my will and not thine be done. And we don't seek after the things of Jesus Christ. Our will, our appetites, our desires, our passions, they can become unbridled. The proud cannot accept the authority of God giving direction to their lives. Even as I was so irritated that my daughter hadn't shown up with our lagoon tickets. I, I talk about that now and I'm, I'm, I'm admitting it. It was so, so dumb to be so frustrated, but that's what I'm talking about. I am doing this podcast so I can be more mindful. And my husband kept trying to counsel me. He kept trying to 
get me to calm down. My girls were reminding me of my breathing techniques I always remind them to do when they get frustrated or anxious or stressed or worried. I have to coach them through breathing techniques. And so they, they were laughing and mocking at me even. Mom, remember your breathing techniques. And I wasn't even allowing my own children and my husband to give me direction. What is wrong with me? (laughs) Our enmity toward God takes on many labels such as rebellion, hard-heartedness, stiff-neckedness, unrepentant, puffed up, easily offended. The proud wish God would agree with them and they aren't interested in changing their opinions to agree uh, to agree with God's. And, and if we're proven wrong, if the if the evidence is right there in front of us and we are proven wrong, we still can't swallow our pride enough to accept that we've been proven wrong. We are daily tempted to elevate ourselves above others and diminish them. Will I be able to face my Father in Heaven if I believe myself to be elevated above others? The proud make every man their adversary by pitting their intellects, opinions, works, wealth, talents, or any other worldly measuring device against others. And once once we've proven someone wrong, that isn't enough. We go on to the next thing. In the pre-earthly council, Lucifer placed his proposal in competition with the Father's plan as advocated by Jesus Christ. He wished to be honored above all others. In short, his prideful desire was to dethrone God. Our scriptures are filled with evidences of the severe consequences of of sin that falls to pride within individuals and groups, cities, our nation. Our pride goes before our destruction and it destroyed the Nephite nation and that is shown in the Book of Mormon. Their pride, their haughtiness, their their arrogance and it probably started with very simple things that their child did not show up at the gate with their lagoon tickets. And I just kept pleading with Heavenly Father, please help me to kick this out. The pride stands more for the judgments of men than the judgments of our Father in Heaven. But it's my goal that I want to stand before my Father, not having to hide my face, not in any, not in any way. Instead of thinking, what will men think of me? I want to think, what will God think of me? And that was just one example of yesterday. That was just my one example of how I can be so easily triggered. And I'm marveling at that and I'm just shaking my head and nearly ruined the day. And yet we got home so late last night and we rode on all the rides that we wanted to. And we were able to laugh and joke and be with our kids. and But I had to apologize. I had to apologize, and that was hard for me. I want to please my Father in Heaven. 
Would we not do well to have the pleasing of God as our motive rather than try to elevate ourselves above above our our children because we're angry at them for falling short, for not getting somewhere on time? Have we ruined entire family gatherings because of one tiny thing that was said and then it flares up everybody's pride in the room? When pride has hold on my heart, I lose in, I lose independence. I feel like I'm bound. I feel chained. And that's how I felt yesterday. I couldn't even handle the, the promptings of my husband to just calm down. My reasoning was how frustrated I was that we got there on time and she had our tickets and she hadn't arrived and the lines were getting longer. And it was, it's, it sounds so ridiculous. And, but that I'm sharing with you because that is where I was yesterday. And it was so simple. What are some of the things that you do that you or you have done that has ruined an entire experience because of something so small? Pride manifests itself in many ways. Pride is a sin that can be so readily seen in others, but we rarely admit it ourselves. My kids, my husband, they could see that all over my face, my, my composure, pacing back and forth, and they kept asking me to stop. I finally did, but I had, I had some consequences I had to face. At first, my children all completely walked away from me and would, would not even be near me for a while until I apologized. But so many of us, we live in ways of fault-finding and gossiping, backbiting, murmuring, living beyond our means, envying and coveting, holding gratitude and praise that might lift another, and being unforgiving and jealous. That is pride. Okay, so a proud person hates the fact that someone is above him if they're in a lower position. Selfishness is one of the more common faces of pride. How everything affects me. Oh my goodness, I was getting so disgruntled because it was affecting me. Watching the lines get longer and longer and we were going to have to wait even further. I was feeling self-pity and I was self-seeking. So what can I do to get rid of my pride? Because it brings about arguments and fights. And for people, sometimes those small things over and over and over and over and over again causes divorce. And children stay away. And then our world, riots and disturbances, all because of such small things. Contention in our families drive the spirit of the Lord away. It also drives many of our family members away. Contention ranges from a hostile word spoken to worldwide conflicts. The scriptures tell us that only by pride cometh contention. The scriptures testify that the proud are easily offended and hold grudges. They withhold forgiveness to keep another in their debt and to justify their injured feelings. I am so grateful that my daughters forgave me. 
and we ended up having a wonderful day. But what if they hadn't have forgiven me? Would I have enjoyed being on the rides and the lines alone without my family? No, I, it really could have been a, a perfectly beautiful day and I could have destroyed it if one simple word wasn't uttered and that was sorry. If we love God, do His will, fear His judgment more than men's, we will have self-esteem because pride limits our progression. It limits us from knowing what our Father in Heaven wants us to do. So therefore, that must mean that the Spirit leaves us. The, the, the proud are not easily taught. They won't change their minds to accept truths because to do this means they have been wrong. And it affects all of our relationships. And most importantly, it affects our relationship with God. Between husband and wife, between parent and child, between our coworkers, our students, all of mankind, it affects everybody. I told you. I've already told you that my siblings don't speak to each other. And and really, I do know a little bit about this, about why they don't speak to each other. And it started out as very, very, very small. And it began to fester and it began to grow. And then a year goes by and then they, they look back as, as to the why this began and then, and then embarrassment enters in. And then it's easier to stay away because they're too embarrassed to admit they were wrong. And then it grows into years. Our degree of pride determines how we treat our God and our brothers and sisters. Christ wants us to lift us to where he is. Do we desire to do the same for others? Pride fades our feelings of sonship to God and brotherhood to man. It separates us and divides us in ranks and riches. It causes chaos. Unity is impossible for a proud people, says Ezra Taft Benson. And unless we are one, we are not the Lord's. Think of what pride has cost us in the past and what it is costing us now in our lives and our families and in the church. Think of the repentance that could take place with lives changed, marriages preserved, and homes strengthened, and cities unified if pride did not keep us from confessing our sins and forsaking them. Think of those who are not active in the church because someone was offended. So they're staying away now. Think of the tens of thousands of additional young men and couples who could serve missions except for the pride that keeps them from yielding their hearts to God. Think of how the temple work would increase. So what can we do to get back to the temple? We have to let go of our pride. We have to go see that bishop. We have to recognize that, that okay, yeah, he might be a hypocrite, but, but for some reason, he's been called of God. I, I've had people say to me that, that their church leaders are hypocrites. Why do they have to be the ones that will tell them whether or not they can have a temple recommend? 
but that is pride that is keeping them from being in the temple. Pride affects all of us at various times and in various degrees. And so in building up the kingdom of God, that's not possible if we have pride. President Benson says pride is the universal pride is the universal sin, the great vice. Yes, pride is the universal I can't even say that right. I'll try that again. Pride is the universal sin, the great vice. Yes, pride is the universal sin, the great vice. So the anecdote for pride is humility, meekness, submissiveness. It's to say, I'm sorry. It's to say that with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, it's it's the one thing that can completely change the course of our day and ultimately the course of our salvation. God will have a humble people. Either we can choose to be humble or we can be compelled. Blessed are they who humble themselves without being compelled. So let us choose to be humble and from lifting ourselves higher than another. Okay, so how do we come down out of the pride when we don't want to? How do we let go of the pride that is keeping us from letting go of the pride? How about forgiving those who have offended us? How about rendering selfless service? How about going on missions and preaching the word so that others can be humble? Even if we're feeling prideful, how about we pray to our Father in heaven and, and, and ask him for help? We can choose to humble ourselves by getting to the temple more frequently. So we can't be in the temple right now, but do we have that temple recommend? And okay, so go get the temple recommend. March right in there. Ungrit your teeth. Relax your fists. Square up your shoulders. Take a deep breath and go get that temple recommend. And for confess and forsake our sins and be born of God. We can choose to humble ourselves by loving God and submitting our wills to, our will to His and putting Him first in our lives. In 3 Nephi 11, 11, He says, And behold, I am the light and the life of the world, and I have drunk out of that bitter cup that the Father hath given me and have glorified Him. Even though I've drank that bitter cup, I have glorified the Father in taking upon me the sins of the world in the which I have suffered the will of the Father in all things from the beginning. So he did that for us. Can we do that for him? And seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny ourselves of all ungodliness. And love him with all our might, mind, and strength so that his grace of him taking that bitter cup can be sufficient for me and that his grace I may be perfected in him and no wise deny the power of God. Let us choose to be humble. We can do it. And President Benson says, I know we can. We must prepare to face 
the day that our Savior comes again. Because pride is the great stumbling block. It is the great stumbling block of Zion and for peace. And we must cleanse that inner vessel by conquering pride. I am coming to you today, confessing to you how prideful I am and how those moments when I am triggered, that pride flares up to an even greater degree. We must yield to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and put off the prideful natural man and become a saint through the atonement of Christ. Become meek and humble. And I am doing this right here, right now, confessing my sins. And oh, Shari, what can you do to be better? What can you do to be different? What can you do to be a better wife? to be a better mama, to be a better friend. What can I do? What can I do to be a better daughter of God? In Matthew 23, 12, I I said this on my last podcast, and whomsoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Oh, that I could be exalted. Oh, that I could be exalted. And be humble is the only way. And the Lord thy God shall lead thee by the hand and give thee answers to thy prayers. Pray for humility. Pray that you can have help in this area because we all desperately need it. Oh, and especially me. This is my longest podcast. But I pray to my Father in Heaven that maybe my my children will one day recognize the strands, the ribbons of pride that they have that flow through it and within their veins. But that they recognize their mother has tried so desperately hard to rid herself of the strands of pride that that flow through my my veins. That I may have a clean, pure, and, and a pure heart is my greatest goal and desire in this life that I swallow my pride and I ask for forgiveness and I apologize where I need to and give forgiveness where I have to where I must and hold dear to me that temple recommend and return to my father in heaven standing before him with my face shining in his that you are joining me in this because you have no greater desire in all of these things as well. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you like my work and you love hearing from the prophets and you love my reflections on our scriptures in the Come Follow Me program, please like my podcast and share it with others who might be strengthened this day. And I leave these words with you. Thank you for joining me. We'll see you next time. I'm Shari Reynolds, and this is Coach and Chaos.